2: Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast that looks at the things that we loved when we were kids and asks, is this good? Did I, did I, was I correct in loving this or should I feel shame? And to answer that question, I can't do it alone. I'm David Luzader, of course, but with me is Nick Chermuxnus. Nick, hello. Hello. Thank you,
1: got Hello. <laughs>
2: Good, great. I love when you bring personality to your introductions.
1: Yeah, this is what the people are looking for.
2: That's right, yeah. Well, you know, what we're looking for, Nick, is a subject this week, something to break down. And we have someone who brought that to us, someone from the Common Ride With Me podcast and the upcoming Squee Trigger, the one, the only, James Dorrington. James, hello.
0: Woo-woo! What's up, everyone?
2: Thanks for being here.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here
2: yeah james why don't you uh real quick tell just give people a quick rundown people who may not be familiar with you what is common ride with me what is squee trigger just who, what are you about
0: uh yeah so um i am um perhaps best known offer my um for common ride with me my podcast about like um toku or tokusatsu um that is a primarily japanese like genre of like film where you have like a focus on like stunt work so like you might know stuff like Power Rangers and like Godzilla but like we go into lots of other weird stuff like we're like um right now covering like um primarily Kamen Rider Zero One but in the off weeks like we'll like swap things out how you might know Mass Rider was like a show here in the 90s
2: oh yeah yeah I remember that
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a much bigger deal in Japan
2: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it's been on what you said it was almost the 50th anniversary right
0: oh yeah that's next year's the 50th anniversary there's been like 34 35 shows in that time that's That's so crazy
1: and so with common writer so when i think master came out maybe in the mid 90s for in the u.s were they using footage from like the original seasons because at that point it was still it had already been around for like what 15 20 years
0: yeah i think they're using footage from the i don't know math um (laughs) like the like (laughs) 80s okay so, so like the eighth or ninth season that was like eight or nine years old at that point.
1: Okay. okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like
0: the show took a 15 year gap and then came back in like oh, 2000.
2: So, so i pretty sure I
1: have a common writer action figure hiding in my car somewhere now that I'm thinking about it, nice. but continue.
2: So, so it pulled a bit of a doctor who is what you're saying. It went away for a while and then came back.
0: Yeah, very much, but it came back and kind of became like the big, like crossover between like kids and all ages, like, Mm, cool tv show like it's like very big with like um moms
2: because they will hire like really? a lot of like attractive like dudes too <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's an interesting demographic to get but hey i guess Hopefully that's for everyone that's eyeballs right that's viewers i could coin the term um the like otagiri effect for that actually which
0: is like a like term using like fandom a lot for that oh huh.
2: interesting well very mm-hmm. cool and uh what's squee triggers a new show you have coming out right
0: uh, yes, um, that is me and my girlfriend to talk about wrestling. Cool. And um, yeah, that's like brand new. It's probably just out like our first or second episode like, by the time like you're seeing this. That's like a new show, which is
2: cool. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at the end, you'll have to let us know where people can find all that good stuff. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about this week's subject, which, James, you brought us Stargate SG-1. indeed. Yes. Stargate SG-1 picks up one year after the events of the Stargate film. SG-1 follows an elite Air Force team that explores the galaxy and defends against alien threats using an ancient alien device called a Stargate. The team consists of the aloof Jack O'Neill, Egyptologist Daniel Jackson, the brilliant Sam Carter, and the stoic alien Teal'c. Now, this is just for the first few seasons because that would uh, shift a little bit in later seasons, but we're not going to be focusing too much on that. We're going to be focusing mostly on the episodes that James brought, which if you want to know those, uh, you want to follow us on Twitter. We will always announce what episodes we're going to watch if we're watching a TV show. So hit me one more pod on Twitter. We'll post that about a week before the episode comes out. Before we get into our discussion, though, breakdown, uh, I want to get everybody's history with this show, their own personal histories. James, you brought this to us. Why don't you tell us what, what is Stargate SG-1 to you? Uh, Star SG-1 was my important, it was the series
0: that started with Star that I cared about, like, as, like, a kid. Like, I just, like, didn't get into Star Trek, and, like, I was, like, pretty late, like, 9 or 10 when I first watched, like, Star Wars. So this was my show growing up, and, like, it was always on, like, sci-fi and that kind of stuff. Um, I watched this, like, pretty constantly and like, probably, like, three or four times like a week
2: growing up okay wow yeah cool uh, that's love that is that well nick what about you did you ever were you were you an sg1 fan
1: so i wouldn't say i was an sg1 fan i may have watched an episode here or there growing up um but i do distinctly remember having my dad excuse me having my dad show the original stargate movie to my brother and i uh and i I remember it very fondly. So I actually, I did a little bit of extracurricular work for this. I actually watched the original movie last night on top of the episodes just to kind of get a fuller picture. Um, but uh, yeah, I love, I love the original movie. Uh, so I was really interested in exploring the show because it was something that had always been on my peripherals, but had never really given a shot.
2: Well, very cool. Uh, yeah. when you mentioned that you would watch the movie. I was like, dang, Nick doing the extra credit. You're the teacher's pet this week. Uh, I, however, am not. I will say for myself, SG-1 was not a show that I ever really watched. Uh, my friend Jonathan in middle school was a big Trekkie, and he also had a love for this. So I think one time he was over and we we watched an episode, maybe. Um, I remember Teal'c very clearly, because I think because of the symbol on <laughs> his head, uh, is very iconic. But in general, I did not watch the show; had not really seen many episodes. So for me, this was kind of a it was a first uh, foyer into it, and it was a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll you know I'm excited to kind of break down a little bit of it. Before we get to that, though, for the listener, if you're a longtime SG One fan, or you're just listening now for the first time and you're curious where where the heck did that show come from? Here's a little bit of history about it. After the success of the film Stargate, MGM sought to make a spinoff show. Brad Wright and Jonathan Glasner, who had worked on MGM's Outer Limits, approached MGM independently about adapting the show. The two were given the green light and brought the project to Richard Dean Anderson of MacGyver fame to take over the Jack O'Neill role from the film, which was originally played by Kurt Russell. While Anderson was not interested in sci-fi, he found the idea of a Stargate a good vehicle for a show and agreed to star if he could make O'Neill more comedic than the film and if they made the show an ensemble cast. So that he would not have to carry it himself as he did with MacGyver. The first five seasons aired on Showtime, with the last five airing on the Sci Fi Network before being canceled. The show itself had two films and inspired two spin off series, an animated series, and a web series. So the Stargate franchise had some staying power. The web series was in 2018, but kind of mm-hmm. uh, aside from that, there hasn't really been much in the last decade.
1: Oh, that just read. Just hearing that makes me think we're gonna in the next five years we'll probably get some more Stargate. I was someone's gonna want to jump on there's that. There's
0: a lot of fan interest. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was trying to look into that and uh, I couldn't find anything. There's no like official, but there's you know there's always the creators talking about like, well, there's always the possibility of it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. In the next five or ten years, we see something new. Uh, but, I did December. not realize
1: that Richard Dean Anderson was MacGyver. That's actually yeah. pretty cool. Um the actor
0: for Teok is a voice of of Kratos as well and in the spin-off Stargate oh Atlantis, gosh.
2: yeah,
1: that mm-hmm. was the show um, Kratos. yeah for Kratos. Oh Kratos Kratos mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh, as opposed
1: well, to the other Kratos out there. okay, gotcha.
2: Yes.
0: And the first spin-off um is known for kind of like launching the career of Jason Momoa.
2: yes, yeah Stargate. Atlantis four of the five
0: seasons yes
2: yeah. Um, if and you yeah. if you go on uh, if you go on hulu and you look at the picture he's there and you know he looks pretty similar looks wise but his arms are a lot smaller yeah which uh he hadn't he hadn't beefed up to aquaman heights yet
0: has <laughs> uh, that tv bulk right
2: right I, they don't they don't pay as good there for you to get uh massive um now i do as we're starting our discussion here I guess the, the first question I want to ask is uh, who wore the long hair better? Was it James Spader in the original Stargate movie, or was it in fact? Um, I didn't pull this up fast enough. Dang it.
0: Uh, Michael Shanks. Or
2: was it in fact Michael Shanks? Because my say it's Michael Shanks based on what I saw. That look did not suit James Spader. Oof. I'd agree there. Nick, Thos- I think that
0: oh, it's good, much better in the show
2: yeah
1: so yeah i mean james bear didn't look it, but james bear was also kind of like a eccentric uh you know scientist or e- egyptologist or whatever so he, it didn't seem like he really put a lot of care into his personal look so in the sense that he didn't necessarily wear the hair right but i don't know if the hair was supposed to look good whereas shanks kind of has uh, like a movie uh, like, why am like a movie stud? I don't know. I, I don't know why I decided on movie stud, but you know, he, he definitely looks nothing like James Spader. Um, so I didn't feel like it was as authentic on him, if that makes sense. Well, uh,
2: you say that, but yet when uh, when the, when he suddenly had short hair in some of the later episodes we watched for this, I was like, no, bring the long hair back. I, don't know, I personally mm-hmm. liked it better.
1: Yeah. I don't know. The show I mean we jumped from season one to season four, right? And the show got yeah. slightly less nineties as we went along. <laughs> but yeah. uh um, you know, there's something charming about, it. I guess, the original looks. I don't know.
2: Well, yeah, I don't wanna jump too far ahead in our discussion So I guess I'll start back uh, I just wanna I just I thought it would be funny to start with a hair discussion, but let's talk a little <laughs> about uh now, Nick, you had watched the film before and you watched the film again for this. Uh, James, do you also have a history with the film or was the show more uh, what you knew?
0: Uh, the show was more what I knew. Like, I've seen the film. Um, I did watch it rather recently, but, like, a lot of that does get, like, both, like, retcon, like, and explained. Like, almost like uh, for, like, um, when you watch, like, the Buffy movie, you don't have to, you know, for that series.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... uh I hadn't seen the film and then I watched this um without knowing too much about it. Like I I'd looked up a little bit what the plot was about, but I say they do a pretty good job in that first episode of giving you what you need. Um they 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 obviously it's all more or less canon, but they don't um they don't make it feel like, well, you need to have seen the movie to get this. So like, all right, there's a bad guy named Ra, we thought we killed him, we didn't, and now he's back. Boom. There you go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it was, so I watched the, the, the two part opener and then watched the film. So I was reintroduced to characters like, um, Jackson's wife, whose name I'm blanking on and, uh, ja- uh, uh Charay. Sticar, Charay, and uh car, Sakara. a uh, scar scar. Okay. Apparently I wasn't paying too close attention. And so in the show, like can, in, in the, the opening episodes, they both get captured and turned into lizard people. Not, not really, but, um, and I was like, oh, wow, they got taken off the board really quickly. And it, from like the the conceit of the show, the fact that they needed Jackson in there for the ongoing plot, I kind of understood it. Um, but then I went back to the movie, and they were such prominent characters, it was kind of sad to see um, that they were taken off the board so quickly. And just a random fun fact, while I'm thinking about it, the actor that played Skara in the movie is the same one that played him in the TV show, which I might be the only instance of that uh, connectivity between the two.
2: Oh, cool. I was curious yeah. about that. Now James you say that Stargate is more realistic than Hollow please explain Okay so
0: the conceit of like Star Trek is that it is a show based around the fact that oh we can see like all these sets and costumes that we have and all these like cool places like that we could film like it's not like why that's what the movie is about but I think like part of the reason that Star Trek has so many episodes that are set on like the Roman planet and like the mafia planet is to make use of um, and like it interact with those archetypes. Hmm. This is just kind of like um, what the Star Trek, like what the Stargate is, is it's like the holodeck except like it's not like going full on, like you're sailing in the 1700s or like you're in court in like um, in then like Britain, like it's much more about like, they're going to places and being like, oh, this is a culture that is like reminiscent of like when people were like ancient Minoans kind of thing. And like that. And also um, it is like interacting with like these weird ethical and like sci-fi problems without like having a society that's already a like utopia. And that's like a really interesting thing to me.
2: Yeah, no, that that it is really cool. And I I was really curious because the episodes you brought to us were, were sort of, um, I feel like more lore heavy episodes for the show. Mm -hmm. They were uh, ones that expanded um, on the idea of the Stargate in some really interesting ways and, and uh, some stuff that I I really liked, but I feel like, uh, is it the case where the episodes are a little bit more kind of self contained, (laughs) a little more not, not monster of the week necessarily, but each one kind of focuses on one mission.
0: Yeah, they do tend to do that. Like there's like a lot of like, um, connective tissue like watching the episodes like that highly highly recommended I actually didn't realize how much they would like be in reference to each other but um, like last night like I watched like the fourth episode was they went to a planet where half of the people had a disease that turned them into like Neanderthals and that's like not something that matters later on you know right right. Okay. so yeah it like, gets lots of short episodes like that
2: yeah, which, honestly, I kind of miss uh, non-cynical sci-fi, is how I, I've i been putting it, but I miss stuff that that's like, you know, because Star Trek came back, and Discovery has its merits, but Discovery is very story-focused, and it's also like a little bit, like, things are going to be a little bit dark and a little bit gritty, and mm-hmm. one thing I really liked as I was watching this, it was just like, yeah, all right, these are people just going out there exploring, and they're having missions, and you know, there's some humor along the way. There's some excitement and some adventure, but it makes you like, it makes you feel good about like the possibilities of Mm sci-fi. And there's some stuff.
1: Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say it felt like a feel good military drama.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that maybe um, has some issues. Like there's some stuff where I was like, Oh, um, maybe it's being a little willfully naive about like how like, how politics works for example but Mm -hmm. like it's
2: yeah it's to be fun yeah yeah i
1: mean it sums it up in sort of the when they're talking with one of the aliens, like you know your species has like great potential it's a common sci-fi trope where like humans are the the society that like are still growing and aren't allowed to get inducted into this galactic intergalactic federation you know that has just as many problems as we do but somehow we're still too primitive to actually deal with those situations and then we do it anyway (laughs) yeah
2: yeah, they were talking to the uh, like the Asgardians there which uh, I wonder oh. I wonder if they stole that from Marvel the fact that like the Asgardians being aliens. Um but yeah that that's when they were talking to them and when they they mentioned the whole like your race is not yet ready and he's like well we're already out there and we're doing our best and I'm like oh, you know like you're a military operation so there that that has certain connotations but I still love the idea. I don't know it made <laughs> me feel like yeah We we are trying our best despite everything going on in the world in 2020.
0: There's a moment where, um, where like, um, O'Neill says, like, he can't write a book because what he's done for the past like decade has been like too classified. But also, like, the text of the movie and the first couple episodes is a bunch of soldiers known for Black Ops missions go to a desert planet and they make a connection with the youth like it is also like a story that is about like maybe like trying to absolve some guilt or like get rid of some feelings from like what was very like what was happening like in like the middle east like it in that like whole decade where like jack for example like couldn't write about what like he had done you know too like it's like also like a little bit like wish fulfillment in that way
2: yeah, James, you need to put a note here that it's very much a show about the ideas of Star Trek without the utopia. And I think that's kind of what yeah. you're you're getting to a little bit there. Is like there's some idealism about exploration and expansion, but like at the same time, it's you know, it doesn't have that whole like everything at home is great and everything outside is you know, we're we're dealing with as it comes to us. Mm-hmm. It's like it 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 does it has a touch more realism than Star Trek.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm though these writers do always try and solve problems without military force or violence, <laughs> like there's always that like peaceful or like that cool science or cultural solution when they can. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Which is like very fun to box, watch. So watched, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Now, uh, one thing that I wish they would really figure out in this show is what they were ever doing with Teal'c and Hare. Because... <laughs> that was uh in in season four he had that really bad little landing strip on his chin and i
1: didn't know what that was at first like when i was looking i'm like oh did he get like some new like alien upgrade or something in a previous season and then they finally did like a close-up of his face and i realized it was just blonde hair and i'm like did he
2: dye that why was it blonde i didn't understand that
1: and I can only imagine yeah. that there weren't any episodes preceding it before it showed up where, like, he can grow a beard and then trimmed it. Well, so it just, like, appeared uh, one day. I'm assuming. Well,
0: basically, um, the end of that, um, that season three episode, uh, like, that was th- that season finale. So, like, what they would like to do was they would, like, have, like, season finale, like, season opener, like, two or three parters. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, um, it was, like oh, it's been a week since we're able to get like the Stargate back up and running like after like the end of season three. So they all come back with like new haircuts and like beards and stuff.
2: (laughs) I always kind of, I kind of like that in TV shows a little bit. Like I know it's a little, you know, it can be cheesy. Like when Teal shows up with, uh, with that facial hair. And then, uh, I sent Nick a a picture of, uh, from season nine where he just has a full head of hair, which is not blonde. Um, so that raises some more questions. Uh, but there, there is just kind of something fun about like them trying to change up the style a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I forgot he gets hair in like season eight and nine. That's weird. Does it, wait? There's ten seasons, right? So does he go bald again by the last season?
0: Uh, I think the end of the last season, he gets like long dreads. Like the oh, last no. episode, everybody I lives mean, to be like everybody lives to old age, but he's able to undo the tie loop, so he's just. 80 and the rest of them are back to being like 30 and 40 at the end of the series. Well, yeah, cause oh. he's,
2: he's like a hundred years old, right? Like at the start of the show. Yeah. About there. Cause he's a, oh. he's a Jafar.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Uh, one. Th- so the, the, the Goulds were kind of the bad guy, which were like these aliens, these like parasitic aliens that pass from person to person, right? Like they were kind of the main antagonist for most of the show. Yes. Yes. Okay. When what they were just going around infesting everybody they could, oppressing them, doing general bad alien stuff.
1: But in the the movie, um, I cause I think Ra and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the the person who they think is Ra in the beginning of the show isn't actually Ra but someone else from his race. But in the movie, Ra isn't like a parasite alien. He's like a like in theory, he's like a fully, you know, full grown humanoid being that takes over a human body. Um but it seemed like they, is that one of the retcons that you were mentioning?
0: Yeah, that's something that they retcon that, um, like they're like parasites, which is like almost like, um like it's that also happens in, um, like animorphs where like, they're like parasites where like their whole thing is like conquering the galaxy because they need bodies because they can't live on their own kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. The, Oh gosh, what were those called? The yerk? The yerk. Yeah, the
1: Yurk. It was Yurks, or Yurks. Yeah. It
2: was Yerkes. Yeah, God, that that's yeah. going to show up on this show at some point, and I don't know how ever we're going to tackle uh, like two hundred book <laughs> I mean, series.
1: We don't. Um, we can basically do what we do with the episodes. The books are probably like a hundred pages long. It would
2: big text. Uh huh. That's that's true. Um. Now, anyway, I have a question, James. The episodes you brought us were from the first four seasons. Now, as yes. someone who didn't really watch the show myself, does it? does it suffer as time goes on? Does it start to kind of fall Ugh. off? Or was it just like, these are kind of, you know, if you've never seen it before, hey, here's the the four or five that are going to give you a real good taste for what this show can offer.
0: They were a good taste without like bogging you down, but also there is a point where like, um, there are 17 seasons between like, Ooh. three shows at a certain point. Um, the scale of things gets a little less grounded too. Like you get stuff like, now we have like spaceships and now we're in like another galaxy and now we have this. So like it do- it is just like a bit easier to follow in the first couple seasons as well.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the problem with these like um uh, with with I mean with any long-running show, right? Is you have to keep raising the stakes. You it can't just keep being mm-hmm. like we go through the stargate and we do a mission and we come home. It's like it, it something has to change eventually or else it's going to feel rote. But at the same time, when you're doing that, when you start changing things, you really risk losing what made the show special in the first place.
0: Right. And also there's a point I think in like, um, I won't say when, but there is a point where the show basically gets a reboot, like in the last couple seasons, because they've kind of solved all of their problems. And they don't have any like more enemies or anything, so things just like do drastically like shift in the show.
1: Huh.
2: Yeah, because they like they eventually like finally take care of the Gould after like eight years, and then they they like like there's the Ori right? Is that the the next enemy yeah. they face? And I'm guessing that I'm guessing from the way you're talking about it, the Ori are not as interesting as the Gould.
0: Uh well, the ancient race that we see that's like just kind of like. So they ascend to a higher plane of existence. However, they have like a a like splinter faction that decided they wanted to ascend to a, a higher plane of existence, but also be gods. So they Everyone just one does. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's just like the last two seasons are about like, what if everything that we've like relied on in like the technology that is basically magic, what if we had to deal with that being used like maliciously and to conquer people? Hmm yeah
2: so so I, I guess a, a question that rises for me, you know, regardless of we'll, we'll we'll ask the question at the end of whether or not we think s g one holds up or if it's something that should just kind of stay where it is. Do you think like maybe you know, for someone who's gonna dive in, is there a point that you think is a good stopping point or should they go Oof. all the way through to the end?
0: Here's the thing. um I think that season nine does suffer and season ten kind of pulls up from that. Okay. Uh, but also, like, there's just all of Stargate Atlantis that crosses over with that plot lines. They have, like, is also very good. Like, there isn't a clunker in Stargate like Atlantis. Um, oh. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very good, like, Pound for Pound is probably a better series than SG1, honestly. Really?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, can I just ask this might be a dumb question, but do they actually go to Atlantis in Stargate Atlantis?
2: <laughs> it's yes. a fair question. They um, do. Okay,
0: Atlantis is a city that was built by the people who made Stargates. That's in another galaxy. So, like, the team gets stranded in like another galaxy with no way to like get supplies or support from from uh, Earth.
1: Cool, Power Rangers Last Galaxy. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> uh, well, well, sticking around with SG One, I do want to say I think that um, a number of special effects actually held up pretty well. Right. Yeah. especially for some stuff from like the, the late nineties, early two thousands, like the Stargate. And I know they had the movie animation, but like when the Stargate turns on still, like it looks good. Um, and the, the Asgard aliens, (laughs) I was seriously impressed with the Asgard aliens.
0: Yeah. That's the power of like them being largely like practical too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the specialty of it. And that's like the, the difference of it, right? Like even the, uh, even though, like when they when they would have the the hosts, I guess I don't I, I know uh, Jafar is what uh, Teal is, but when they would show like the belly <laughs> flap, mm-hmm. like Ugh. it was it was gross and very much in effect, but it still was super effective because it wasn't CGI.
1: Right. I can't. I'm trying mm-hmm. to. The show came out in like '97, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm trying to think about like what the CGI would have looked like for a TV budget at that time
2: uh was that like uh in the middle of was that voyager or deep space nine um boy that's a great question i'm not a hundred percent on that 100%. i know it's pre-enterprise well and, i think
1: we can agree that it probably wouldn't have been good yeah
2: yeah well it took it took tv a long time to start getting really like even now it's gotten a lot better um right but mm-hmm. there are still times we can tell like okay those are tv special effects like even uh, uh like it, even you know movie effects in the 90s were still uh, haven't aged great today mm-hmm. so f- tv effects from the 90s definitely don't like the uh the the replicators right were those were those purple spider guys crawling around yep. at the end of season 3 like those looked okay but were very yeah. obviously computer effects
1: right
0: mm-hmm. yeah when like this a- show premiered it was like the biggest Premiere for any show on Showtime at the time. Yeah, I didn't, so It had the budget.
2: I didn't realize that it was on Showtime when I was first watching it. I thought I, I thought this was always like a network or like a, a cable uh, right. TV show. But,
1: was Showtime not always sort of the HBO competitor that it is now?
2: Uh, no, it still was. Yeah. Oh. And it was still given. This was still given a twenty-two episode season. Uh, like usually, you know, those shows are like prestige. Like you're going to do ten to twelve episodes, but this was like a full on season of television
0: yeah um it has some clunkers in there like the episode where it's just like oh these are people that are just basically like mongols so let's learn about their culture and like now carter has to wear like a veil and introduce feminism to the culture
2: it's like okay <laughs>
0: that's not the, great
2: th- those are the star Treky <laughs> moments right where it's like yeah. yeah we're gonna yeah. try to make a point and it sometimes it's gonna be super ham-fisted Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
1: And I think that that's actually a great with the Carter point because literally she gets introduced as yes. that female that's gonna be on the show. Yeah. Which I get it was a long quote unquote a long time ago and those issues haven't necessarily stopped, but I still thought from like a creative perspective it was a really lazy way to introduce a character.
2: Well, and you have you have Kowalski there in that first meeting being like, ah, like a woman is here, like this is the boys' club. Right. Oh, that line she has is famous. Which which line was it? I'm an Air Force officer just like you are, Colonel. And just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the outside, doesn't mean I can't handle whatever you can handle. (laughs) That is is a good line, I will say. (laughs) Uh, it's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the the moments are because it, it, it's it's more like in the sense the show obviously wasn't defending sexism; it was pointing it out, and that's obviously when art imitates life. That's something that you can reflect in your shows, but at the same time, I, maybe it's just because we're watching something that came before a lot of the stuff that we've seen now, where it's still yeah. prevalent, and we're just sort of like we've, we 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 want to move beyond that in our storytelling. I thought I thought I did think it was interesting.
2: Yeah. There's some stuff in this that is very of its time, um, like the fact that this is almost almost an entirely white cast. Yes. Uh, an entirely male cast as well. Um, of course you have the one female, um, which is not diminishing Sam's character at all. And one thing I actually really liked is by the time we got to season three and the episodes we watched, I got a sense that a lot of these character a lot of these actors had really settled into their roles. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and everything, just like the dynamics felt a lot more natural, uh, the way that they were all handling their characters felt a lot more natural. Um, but you know, being in the late nineties, like, yep, we have the one female and we have the one minority, uh, that I thought was not great that the one minority was also an alien. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that, and that's, and that's a looking back now thing. Uh, like the optics on it aren't great, but also Teal'c is a, Teal'c is a pretty cool guy.
0: Yeah, Tail's great. And there's a point, like, yeah, like in that first episode, especially you're like, oh, literally every character that we've met that isn't white is part of an Egyptian space culture.
2: Yeah. And they're like the bad guys. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. It's not great. It's whoops. It's not. But you know, I think the the later stuff, um especially some of the spinoff series, would be a little bit better uh from what I saw in in handling diversity in the casting. Yeah.
0: Yes, they do like that a lot better like in like their like later seasons.
2: Yeah, and that's or shows. Yeah, that that's one thing too like especially with a, with a show like this where we're kind of figuring out like, well, should we still watch this thing? Should we, you know, just leave it behind? I think it's like it's it's important to address like whatever our feelings on it are, you know, like here's even if we're like, hey, you should go check out this show, like but you know, here's still some flaws with it. Like I guess a big point of the show is nothing is sacred. Um, I don't know why I went on a little ramble there about, about me, the uh, importance of this show, but
1: let's like um, let's talk about the last episode. If
0: that's okay. Yeah. Yes. That was one I wanted your thoughts on a lot. Cause like the um, first couple were episodes. That's a special episode.
1: Yeah. And I think what I liked about it was I like David was saying that the first few episodes that we watched are very lore heavy and it it kind of worked out because there really was a sense of continuity between them. I didn't. I'm sure I missed a lot. But at the same time, I was able to pick up sort of what happened in between pretty seamlessly. Um, I don't know where in that um, Shari left the show because there were parts where i think she was still missing or under control or something and jackson seemed pretty chill for his wife still sort of just being gone um
2: that's again that's the problem with like a 22 uh episode show that like has an overarching story like some of those episodes are going to be so procedural so it's like yeah i gotta right. find my wife but first we're gonna help this culture learn how to use spoons sort of.
0: <laughs> lots of side quests yes, like in video right. games oh yeah but uh the episode you're
2: talking um, about window of opportunity right the season four yeah
1: that it was it was a kind of a breath of fresh air because i i I mean i was paying attention the whole way throughout but it it was starting to lose me a little bit and then i got to that one and i agree with your assertion in the notes that you sent us that it was just fun Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah the like they get caught in this time loop i i really loved the part when they um were working with Jackson to decipher everything, but obviously wasn't going uh, super well. So it, it shows uh, Teal'c and O'Neill juggling and just like Mm -hmm. it shows the progression of them going through these loops and they're getting better at juggling each and every time. Uh, I thought that was really funny.
0: And there's stuff like um, O'Neill learning how to make pottery and like them playing golf like through the Stargate, just
2: Yeah, but then what I really liked is at the the end of that episode when they are facing off against the bad guy again, I guess, uh, is that it suddenly gets a lot more grounded. Like, hey, you know we had our fun, but also here's the reason why this is happening. And it's really pretty sad and difficult to deal with. And uh, 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 O'Neill has like a really good moment towards the end. Like that was some really good acting from um, from. Oh man, Richard I Richard D. Anderson. Yes, yes, Richard Richard D. Anderson. Uh, I really just I I liked that it was a fun episode that at the end like still had a point.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, that is where like a lot of their episodes do go, where they're like, "Here's the planet where we ha- have to help." Oh, we're like, i like, our, but There's like one episode where they like are in witch trials, and then at the end they still like learn something important or like have like an important character moment, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: It's like
2: special. <laughs> well, and sometimes that pays off and sometimes, you know, like, uh, like James was saying it, you know, it's like uh, ham fisted lessons about we're going to make this uh, society learn about feminism. Right. Yeah. You know? right. It's and like sometimes,
1: I mean, you know, Well, I think a lot of times like you'll see criticism for the ham fisted of stuff and I'm not saying that it can't, it it can certainly be done poorly, but at the same time, I feel like there are people that kind of need it ham fisted into their face. That sounded more aggressive than I meant. Um,
2: (laughs) I think for, uh, for kids, here's your lesson, right? For kids, it probably has a bigger impact if it's a lot clearer, right? Like as adults, we can look back on it and kind of roll our eyes like, yeah, 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 we get it. Uh, Right. But for for kids who may you know if were watching the show, maybe if I'd watched this in middle school, you know something like that may have stuck out to me a lot more because it wasn't coded. It was like, "Hey, here's the point we're trying to make." And I right.
1: And when you you were a fifteen year old staunch feminist, and they ask you where you got your beliefs from, you'll say Stargate, Star, SG. Stargate SG One."
2: That's yeah. right.
0: Oh uh, well, uh, like for me growing up, like I remember um, it was like the three like channels. It was like sixty, sixty one, sixty two. It was like um, Cartoon Network, Comedy Central, and Sci Fi. And like this show was always on it in like just like a, um like the like six or seven times like a day slot. So like it was the kind of thing where you could I'm like probably not alone in like somebody who just watched because it was like more adult or like Dragon Ball Z wasn't on yet.
1: Or like <laughs> if Dragon I didn't want like, <laughs> <Yeah>. to watch the show again. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, ri- I, a, and I didn't realize that this was on Showtime. Apparently, there was some controversy in the first episode originally when it aired. There was like full frontal nudity. Um, yeah, that has now since been taken out. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Nick, you missed out on that.
1: <laughs> no, um,
2: I was just, okay. <laughs> I was just scrolling through and came across something uh, pretty interesting <clears throat> here. Uh, this is just a random bit of trivia for people out there, but Michael Shanks, uh, Dr. Daniel Jackson, apparently has a really big fear of spiders, and when they would shoot with the Replicator spiders, uh, like when they had the actual props of them, uh, he had to wear a blindfold, because if he saw them, he would get uncontrollable shakes, and they would have to delay the shooting.
1: do so you mean uncontrollable shanks?
2: Ha-ha. <laughs> right, sorry, I'll leave. Yeah, uh, but no, um, what did
0: you all think of the episodes that I pick like by necessity, like they were like lore heavy, but I tried to pick some that like would give you like a pretty good sense of like what the show's like setting and beliefs were, but also like a little bit of fun.
2: I had a good time watching this. I really did. I don't know uh, just because 10 seasons, you know, 22 episodes a season, 200 plus episodes is a giant commitment. Yes, um, right. And I guess this is getting a little bit into maybe what my thoughts are on this show and what we'll get to that here pretty soon. But I'll say like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to take the time to watch it, but I wouldn't be opposed to it, I guess. Like the episodes that you brought us, um, yeah, did have a good mix of like fun, but I really, I really did get a sense of what the show is about. Maybe a little bit. I couldn't fully appreciate the deepening of the lore just because I hadn't gone through, uh, you know, six, to 10 episodes where it's just like random mission to random mission. And then uh breath of fresh air. We're, you know, going to, we're going to do a really good episode. That's, that's super concentrated on the story. I don't know, Nick, what did you think?
1: I, so I think, in a sense, I did get uh, a decent impression. If anything, I I kept forgetting that there were ten seasons of the show because at least before the the fourth the season four episode that we watched, I, it felt like we were learning things about the ancient the precursor race, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. kicked this whole thing off and all the different um, like the four races. Um, and so it felt like they were kind of reaching a climax where the show could end and that they keep going so there's a part of me that's kind of curious about where it goes from there um but i would say that based on the episodes you picked um i had i got a pretty good sense of what the show was trying to do and i think unlike david because i'd also seen the original movie even though it had been a few years before last night that i had seen it i kind of went in with the right expectations
2: very cool. Well, I think this is actually, uh, it's getting to a good point now where we can take the time to ask the question. Uh, we're starting to get to it a little bit, so let's just dive in. Does this stay in the halls of memory or do you guys feel like Stargate is worth visiting today? James, since you brought this to us, what did this revisit, having to kind of dig into it a little bit more, what are your thoughts on it?
0: So I am a like fan from childhood, but also like I hadn't looked at the show probably since the last series ended, which is probably like. 2012, 2013, something like
2: Um, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right now, there's a lot of time that people just need to put something on and find something, and this is a show that can be like. Can like run the gamut from like. Very digestible to very intriguing and like well done. So I'd say it's like worth it's worth revisiting, like if you do like um just like there's so much of it and like it's not always like the stakes or like the like importance of like hey like star wars movie like there's like not like a lot of like mid-level sci-fi and it's like very like very calming and like charming hmm. so yeah. it's worth
1: it sounds good to say.
2: yeah well nick is someone with a little bit of history with the with the property but really visiting the show for the first time what about you
1: Yeah. So I think for a show that came out in the 90s, uh, there's like we were saying, there's definitely something very 90s about it, but it's not like the 90s were entirely offensive. So despite maybe it's dated aesthetics in certain ways, um, like James was saying, it's, excuse me, uh, it's the, the messages I think are still very relevant to today um overall like you were saying david the 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 special effects for what they were practical or otherwise hold up well enough and it feels like because this was in the mid-90s compared to some of the shows that i think were in early 2000s like the the Battlestar galactica reboot and such like Mm -hmm. it feels like one of those comfort food sci-fi shows and i really agree with james perspective on the whole idea that you can have these done in one episodes if you just need to chill out but also if you want to dig into like a lost style grand byzantine you know mythology it's there for you as well so uh, i think people could still watch it today
2: yeah like i said 200 plus episodes um i have so much that i'm trying to watch already uh for like the different podcasts i do like i don't have a ton of viewing time in my own free time, so I don't know if I'm going to be booting this up. But part of me wishes that I could, and you know, maybe one day I will sit down and watch it. It is a show that, uh, it from everything I gar- I gathered, could go between like a little bit of fluff and also some real grounded heavy stuff. So I think, yeah, this is something that if you are a fan of Star Trek, uh, if you're a fan of that kind of sci-fi, then definitely uh, there's nothing so offensive about it or so bad about it or even so like childish about it that I yeah. think that we need to just dismiss it as like, well, no, you'll like it if you're a kid, but you won't like it as an adult. Like obviously this show had spin-offs. This show had this, you know, movies, this show is still a, a franchise that people are talking about and wanting today. Uh, there's a reason that it's endured and it's <laughs> audience unlike other shows we talked about where the audience kind of outgrows it over time. The audience keeps coming back to it. And I, yeah, I think there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of merit to it. So, I yeah, I think this is definitely a, a show that holds up. But you listener, Oh, go ahead, Nick.
1: I was, I was just going to say, I think... Uh, it, you said you didn't see the original movie, right?
2: That's correct. I'm curious I, to watch I would,
1: it. I would say watch that. I, I can totally understand not being able to fit in 200 episodes. But now that you kind of have a sense of what the show tried to establish, watch the movie and just see... Both how like how well it kind of set up the nature of the show, but also you know that Kurt Russell and Richard Dean Anderson look nothing alike.
0: They <laughs> do not, though. Hey, like um, a few things w- worth noting, though. First, this is a very skippable. If you come to an episode, where it's just like, and they go to like an archery context, but like it turns out that there's Robin Hood. You can be like, okay, I'm gonna skip that one. They're very good about letting you know in like their like um in their titles and their descriptions when you can just kind of skip something without much like. Without missing much. Um, and also um, it's like. Um, this series is still doing some stuff like there's still books coming out. They just kickstarted a sixth season of Stargate Atlantis. Um, you could watch each of the like spinoff shows without having watched like the rest of it, like they are all self-contained. And um, just in December there was a big campaign where they got like um bring back Stargate, like trending on like number one on like Twitter for like 12 hours or something. So it's like, there's still like a lot of like energy and it's very like approachable too.
2: Yeah. You know, we're, we're in this culture right now of bring back everything that we used to love and let's do modern takes on it. And I think Stargate could really, like my, my one worry about it is what I said is that it would be a little bit too cynical. It would be a little bit too of like, let's, you know, let's make it clear that things kind of suck. And like, we're going to have our sci-fi reflect. <laughs> that's it. like, no, like have it still have that optimism to it. That that's
0: dark
1: into darkness.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it did that. <laughs> oh. It had, yeah, it's, um, it's third TV show, Stargate Universe. Only got two, only got two seasons. It had a really bad, cynical. We've seen Battlestar Galactica half of a season, uh-huh. that had an okay season. Then its second season was great, and then it got canceled. So,
2: well, I will say, uh, just from us talking about it, that you do have me interested in Atlantis. Um, if you say it's, you know, it's what you like about if if it's like it's all the good stuff of Stargate minus the mm-hmm. bad stuff of Stargate SG One, like I'm interested. Mm. Well, yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah, well, listener, we want to know your thoughts. Do you think that we're wrong and nobody should be watching Stargate? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at pod, or email us, HitMeOneMoreTimePod at gmail.com. Uh, we'd really love to hear your thoughts, and we might read them on a future episode. But as we're heading out of here, uh, we're going to take a minute, go around the horn, just get those last-minute plugs. James, thanks so much for being on. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you and get more info about you and your projects?
0: All right. I am on Twitter at James Forge. My podcast Common Ride With Me is on all podcasters and wherever books are sold. It is available um, on commonridewithme.com, twitter.com, at commonridewithme. And you can e- email our podcast at podcast at commonridewithme.com. And um, forthcoming is Squee Trigger and a like guest episode
2: on the white ranger with dave well, very cool yes i will be on there and uh, yeah to come and ride with me is a fun show people should check that out nick do you have anything that you want to promote anything people should be checking out
1: um this okay. i know you show. probably don't but i'm just i'm, just, yeah, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm throwing it to you anyway. um, still day. working on my web presence
2: cool Well, if people want to find out what I'm up to, the other shows that I work on, you should just follow me on Twitter at DavLuz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, everything you need about me, you can find there. Another big thanks to our guest this week. Thanks for coming on, James. Indeed. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you, uh, Nick, for being part of this, of course.
1: Yes, thank you, Nick. (laughs)
2: Oh you. Thank like David. <laughs> and thank you listening audience for being a part of this. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!